Back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve. And ladies and gentlemen, the dark times are finally ending. I am defeated. I'm tired. I'm physically tired. I'm mentally tired. Spiritually tired. And we've all learned that if you gaze long enough into the earnest abyss, the earnest abyss will gaze back into you. Joining me for the final episode of our Ernest P. Worrell retrospective. He's back from the Wisconsin North Country, Stephen Coleman. Hey. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. It's it's so nice to be back. I'm so sorry that I wasn't around for round two, but ready to dig in for round three. This is uh, probably the yeah. uh, fillet of the urns, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you, really, you really missed some gems for the last episode. <laughs> Glad you're back for these uh, cinematic achievements. Oh, Myros, you're here. Got a question for you. Uh, if you, I don't know if I have any answers after this. <laughs> <laughs> if you were one of the characters that Ernest P. Worrell plays in his movies, uh, you know, the, the little voices and dress-ups that he does, which Ernest character would you be? Uh, you know, if I'm being honest, right? probably the old woman, you know, just... Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> you know, physically uh, impaired, just uh, neck brace. <laughs> 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 I had you penciled in for the old woman, so I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, also joining us, Ernest Superfan, uh, Sean Glynis is here. <laughs> Sean, I know you got rid of all your Ernest DVDs, but how many Ernest Laserdiscs do you currently own? I, I had to get rid of them when I became a uh, correspondent in South Africa um, <laughs> for the late works of John Cherry III. <laughs> God. Uh, did you, okay, so Ernest... You said this is the last episode of the Ernest but For all we know, this could be the last episode of the Opvac cast. It could be. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much broken at this point. Like, I've, <laughs> I've lost the will to live. So it's entirely possible. Um, also, Sean, I want to share with you that Ernest Goes to Camp on Laserdisc goes for 60 bucks on eBay. So uh, if you got your collection, keep it. How much Unless is you need a player? To sell it to pay your rent. I don't know how much a laser display costs at this point. It's probably like fucking impossible to find a working one. And, and also to get all the accoutrement. Yeah, I, I feel like probably what's the cheapest laser disc you can buy? Probably Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. probably get like Basic Instinct at like a vintage shop somewhere for a few bucks. <laughs> it's the only way to watch that one. <laughs> no ice pick. Oh my god. I actually, I, there's a, the, like the local Goodwill, I was in there one time and they had a copy of Star Wars on Laserdisc and I was just like, huh, bet that's worth something. But I was an idiot and I didn't buy it and it was gone the next time I was in there. But that, that'll probably go for a couple hundred bucks. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fucking moron. Call me Ernest P. Worrell. All right. Let's jump into this, guys. We've got the final three Ernest P. Worrell films to discuss and uh as is tradition i gotta play the trailer for the uh first of this round and that is none other than slam dunk Ernest. here we go 
sorry. There's no trailer for Slam Dunk Ernest. I scoured the you know, internet. I was gonna say, there's no fucking trailer, dude. <laughs> I've no seen, fucking trailer. I, I looked everywhere. I've actually seen the trailer like bundled up for like if you oh, bought like yeah. a Disney movie like in '95. It'd be, mm-hmm. It's really hard to find, but like if you dig deep, you can find the trailer for Slam Dunk Ernest, which is Ernest's sexiest role yet. <laughs> oh god he is just dripping i he love Ernest in this movie. i did say he was jacked in it yeah oh he's man. completely completely ripped and he's kind of that like he looks like he's in the movie the machinist or something it's this this like really sinewy kind of look uh but yeah he's got some some tone some definition uh, not I bad mean, for a guy think, who was not long for this world but he I was hitting the gym slapstick comedy and cigarettes gives you that look and like yeah. I mean you can tell that John Cherry didn't have the finesse to have a person on hand to do you know sort of like body shine stuff that that goes a long <laughs> way on camera mm-hmm. uh, they just left him milky white oh yeah but he's got like veins popping he's got some John Cena arms going he's got and some his, definition his... there <laughs> look at the vascular vascular <laughs> <laughs> Bolt just doing the uh, the Vince McMahon vascularity joke. Uh, yeah, he looks great, and he's he's sexy as hell. The movie knows it too, because we get this line later in the film. Ernest put on those shoes and blew you. So I mean, come on. Now I, I realize this is clearly an edit for comedic effect, but you got to understand when this line plays. Ernest put on those shoes and blew you. There is. A very long pause before he says away. It's Ernest put on those shoes and blew you away. It's it's it is the longest pregnant pause ever. My jaw just fucking dropped. Could not believe Ernest it. Ernest put on those shoes and blew you. Just, that kid is a horrible actor. My God. I, I mean, I've ranted about my disdain for child actors uh, probably a million times on this podcast. But this this kid is is unique. Young uh, Quincy is just awful. But when you're on a slam dunk earnest budget, I guess that's what you get. Whew. So we got to get into the plot of this. Like, I, I, I was uh, most baffled previously by the plot of Ernest Rides Again, but this one uh, trumps it substantially, I'd say, uh, whereas Ernest I'm is saying, The plot is simple. Yeah, Joe the plot is very coherent. No, no, no. The, the plot is very simple. This is, this is the plot. Ernest put on the shoes and blew you. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's... I think you're, it's you're ignoring the spiritual element of this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's, God does intervene. Is this proto like Mike? Uh, it is proto like Mike. Um, it's proto. Didn't it, did anyone else assume this would have the same like inciting incident as like Mike, considering Ernest's long uh, uh, foray with electrical right. incidents and the fact that it was foreshadowed early in the film too? There was another uh, electrocuting Ernest uh, incident, so I'm like, oh, that's what happens, right? The shoes are going to get electro powered but it's like no fucking mm-hmm. the angel kareem abdul jabbar gives him sentient <laughs> shoes <laughs> what is kareem doing like what's his what's his rate to work is he just is he working like the sag minimum is that <laughs> like how, how do you get kareem for this movie he did recently do a wisconsin tourism ad like some 45 years after he said he never wanted to be in milwaukee again he's a busy man <laughs> 
It's got a lot going on. He also uh, he wrote a pretty good article uh, for Jacobin magazine. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right. avowed socialist. Yeah, good guy. Uh, <laughs> he was radicalizing Ernest in the locker room with the magic shoes. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I, I guess it's got it's got like a, a like Mike vibe to it. This predates like Mike. This predates even um, uh, Space Jam, for that matter. So as far as magical realism basketball films go, uh, Slam Dunk Ernest kind of laying the groundwork here. It also predates <laughs> Juana Man. Yeah. And Another the, classic. The, the irony that the star of Juana Man is on the clean sweep <laughs> team. <laughs> yeah. That's entirely correct. Yeah, he's, he's playing second fiddle to... Uh, he's the what's, main what's protect- the... antagonist to Ernest in the movie for the most part. He really is. You're he a really redneck. <laughs> It's uh, kind of an asshole to Ernest in this movie. It's also yeah. it's also uh, a piece in the mall cinema canon, uh, as most of this takes place in a mall. I don't know what you call it, foyer ground level, mm-hmm. like a mall atrium, basically. Yeah, yeah where they're just <laughs> shooting hoops when in off hours, but um, and Ernest this game's is games by the way in the movie sorry to interrupt you Sean what'd you say what time are these games supposed to be at during the oh, movie yeah. it's like we got like a half hour it's like malls usually close at nine are they playing at 10 o'clock at night midnight <laughs> games baby <laughs> I just like that they only use about I don't know maybe 50 feet of the entire mall so somewhere yeah. in Vancouver there's an abandoned mall where they utilize it's like zero space to shoot an entire movie. It's it's honestly pretty impressive. Important part of the plot is uh, a sculpture that the uh, manager or mall owner paid a lot of money for that looked like absolute trash. It's like a giant rock with a hole in it. There's there's not much to it. Real Stonehenge vibe going, and uh, poor Ernest knocks it over. Klutzy guy, real real uh, knee slapping laugh riot there. How does he, doesn't he like? I don't even remember. Were they playing basketball in the mall? Yeah, this is not entirely Ernest's fault. <laughs> they they took a, a basketball hoop out of a sporting goods store, along with presumably a basketball. They're playing like three on three or whatever next to the escalator. Ernest is doing his job, more or less, and he wants to play, though. So he's asking for the ball, asking for the ball. Eventually, he gets up on a ladder next to the priceless art piece that we've just been told about. And he's like, give me the ball, Vern, give me the ball. And so they finally pass it to him. And he shoots, and he misses wildly, but then he knocks over the, the statue. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? This is not Ernest's fault. This is, you know, what? You, it's like, are you going to give a toddler a, a butcher knife to play with? What do, what do you expect? Bad things are going to happen. It's irresponsible on the part of the basketball team. But, of course, they blame Ernest. So, poor guy. <laughs> and this is kind of how he gets involved in the in the rest of the team aspect of it, too. where he, he Because he has to pay for the, the statue and he takes full responsibility. And so the basketball guys are like, oh, is there anything we can do to repay you, Ernest? That's so nice of you to have your wages garnished. He goes, well, you could let me play on the team. Okay, fair trade. And even that, they're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and this is this is how we get Ernest playing basketball. Uh, 
So, I, I and I guess from there we we learn that sometime in the middle of the night they're playing these games, and Ernest is a nuisance on the court. He's making lemonade. He's cheering. He's getting in the way of things. He's knocking shit over. He causes the team to lose. And after that tragic loss, this is where Kareem comes into play. So, Myros, can you explain this spiritual element and where this comes from? So, uh, Kareem is like the angel of basketball or some shit. I, I don't fucking know. But they this whole thing is just like some sort of a Old Testament like test of faith or something, I guess. It, it, it's Kareem and uh, Satan are like playing a poker game and betting on whether Ernest will succumb to temptation or rise above. But actually, they're playing for the soul of this small uh, child actor who's terrible. Um, so I guess the devil's betting that he'll steal tennis shoes, which he does, but then he returns them. Um, I guess I kind of got like anti-Semite vibes for the guy who's playing the devil character. Oh, that's kind of true. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's got some issues with that. Uh, definitely a caricature of sorts. <laughs> but yeah, if that's his, compared to the other films we watch, that's some light racism. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the, there's the gags, uh, uh, very few of which exist in this film, are mostly involving his shoes being squeaky and him having to uh, deal with those in public in front of people without explaining that his shoes are, are sentient. Um, a lot of mileage out of that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the physical comedy is pretty good, honestly. I mean, the, okay, the bits themselves aren't always funny, yeah, but like Ernest's actual physicality and how he sells the fact that the shoes are trying to do one thing and he wants to do something else, it's a good physical performance. It's just, you know, the movie Makes around it isn't so hot. Snack breadcrumb. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and when we say the shoes are squeaking, we don't mean like basketball shoes on a basketball court squeaking and literally like they're like little muppet ass shoes so yeah it's uh it's a little annoying a little bit who designed these shoes by the way no one would ever buy these shoes they're the ugliest fucking things i've ever seen in my life they they look like they have like fucking like water cooling hooked up to them there's all this like piping around it it's it's terrible and they have eyeballs uh it is a powerful film for someone like me who uh, was one of those children that asked their parents for the newest pair of $200 basketball shoes for Christmas uh, when that wasn't a comfortable thing to access um, because whatever reason for you know looking cool at school and thinking that you, you might play better. Um, so that part really spoke to me and something that I'll probably... <laughs> Sean Glynis was a, a young hype beast. Yeah. <clears throat> no, this film is, uh, I think, probably the most, like, Disney-ready, uh, and it's awful. Yeah, I mean, we, we usually talk about Ernest films as kids' movies, and this batch especially, they feel less targeted specifically at children and more like just general family films uh yeah. you know in the category of just like 
inoffensive schlock, although I guess you could find plenty of things that are deeply offensive <laughs> in could, this batch of Ernest movies. I'm sorry. I hope this isn't too much of a deviation. Could we talk about Dr. Love? Oh, yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many all of the snacks at her table when she's doing colored commentary for these basketball games? Like, it, oh, they're yeah. just for her. How? Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. What's the, what's the, is that just her gimmick that she likes snacks? I mean, maybe I kind of zoned out a little bit, but I don't recall it ever being discussed why she had like an entire buffet in front of her. And it's not like she's a fat lady. It's not a fat person joke. She just likes to eat. That's yeah. her character. What? It's it's an entire aisle of snacks. Like everything from Little Debbie's to Bugles. There's a whole bowl of Bugles. That's because uh, my dream. <laughs> Fun, snalty snack. Bugles underrated. Plus you could do a little Freddy, Freddy Krueger fingers with them. Oh, you can't yeah. do that with a fucking potato chip. Well, this movie's it doesn't really deal in characterization, we'll say that. So the fact that they leave her unexplored is, is not surprising. They, that's pretty oh. much the case with everyone, <laughs> including the love interest particularly is, is just her character. Her only uh, characteristic is that she likes to play the lotto. Yeah, she likes money. That's her and the devil like money a lot. And he wears the three piece yeah. suit. Uh, yeah, again, some some interesting characterization there, but. You're right that nobody's really fleshed out. Like the only thing we know about the main basketball guy is that um, he could have been like a, a college player and maybe an NBA star, but he had a kid instead, and his dreams were shattered. Thanks a lot, kid. You well, fucking he, suck. He also has a wife who appears in oh, like who's three not scenes. Not in the movie. <laughs> but she's yeah, in it. She's barely in the movie. But her only starts- line is. <laughs> Uh, her only line is, are you guys coming inside when the kids and dad are talking out? There's no reason for her to fucking exist. Well, I swear, isn't there a scene in the restaurant, which is like the most makeshift restaurant I've ever seen, even for a low budget film? Like, it's clearly like in the gymnasium that they fashioned to look like a uh, Italian restaurant. She's about to say something and she's cut off immediately. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. And I don't know if... You know, maybe in another draft of the script, she had more of a role or they just had to cut things down. I'm not sure. But it's it's not just that she's a useless, underdeveloped character who's just floating around. But it's actually like it's jarring whenever she appears because she's what what the fuck? Like, what what is she even doing there? It doesn't what? make any sense. I've seen this movie five times. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, twice in the last uh, six months. Um, Are you okay? No, no. <laughs> This is the quarantine really hit me hard. But like, I always forget every time I see this movie that he has a wife. I always assume that he's either a, a widower or that he's just like a single dad and mom is gone. And then every time I see this movie, it's like, oh, yeah, he does have a wife and she's actually in the movie. But that's yeah. like how underscored her character is. Like, it's so forgetful that there's no reason to even remember that she's in this film. Yeah, Widower might have played better into the narrative. I mean, A, you don't have to pay this actress anything, and B, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's more believable that he had to drop everything in his life to care for this kid. Yeah. Why not? That makes more you sense. Drum up then, some sympathy. Yeah. Sure. This movie, so the thrust of this movie is that uh, two men who are uh, pushing 40, or, or in Ernest's case, I suppose probably just over 40, uh, are trying to make the NBA, so... We've got the captain of the clean sweep, who is played by a 35-year-old who looks every uh, every day of it, and uh, Ernest, <laughs> who is, I believe, at this stage 45. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're both uh, the league is scouting them both pretty damn hard because that that's how things work. And how about the crowd at that game against Charlotte? <laughs> like that's that's a very our COVID time appropriate crowd considering it's mostly cutouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks great. It Looks really good. Charlotte uh, must be like the easiest uh, team to license in the nineties. <laughs> they're they all were so them. huge. Well, they were in yeah. Eddie as well. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, I, I think they had a very like, lucrative licensing deal. Yeah, that's just it. They were trying to build their brand because I didn't give a shit about the Charlotte Hornets as a kid. Like, I, I watched the Detroit Pistons, but I definitely had a Charlotte Hornets starter jacket for reasons that yeah, I don't understand. I think, yeah. They came in. They came in at like eighty-eight or eighty-nine uh, with the Magic, and they the, the color scheme was very. Uh, targeted towards that being like ancillary uh, product ready. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm guessing that they must have had some easy to license thing as part of that uh, branding. I scheme, must assume. I, I mean, it's not like Slam Dunk Ernest could have afforded anything that wasn't easy. To <laughs> and then when they got Grandma yeah. Ma, that was Jesus. That was huge. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was real big. That's. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. But... <laughs> That could have worked Ernest into those ads. <laughs> it's like a yeah. very Ernest-like character. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Grandma Ma against uh, the old Ernest lady. Oh, I would have lined up for that. 1995. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dad, take me to the movies. I got to see this. <laughs> it's just kind of like a like like Mike meets Big Mama's house. There's your movie <laughs> yeah. right there. There's the elevator pitch. It's all you need. Uh, so yeah, the <laughs> getting back into whatever the fuck this movie is, there's this whole spiritual element where, yeah, Kareem is the angel of basketball and then there's Mr. Satan, the shoe store guy. I, I don't know what his exact role is. And there's this really bizarre, surreal moment in the, in Slam Dunk Ernest that I think is a little more interesting than all the other nonsense we get, which is mostly just, you know, the basketball scene from Flubber. It's just that in montage form over and over and over again. <laughs> so th- the scene I'm talking about is where it's the it's the temptation of the earnest, wherein he is lured out of the restaurant by sexiness and money because he's he's horny for the lady that sells lotto tickets. And they get into this limo and they're just like all over him and it's this weird like wide angle fisheye shit that they do in Ernest movies all the time but it's like Ernest stay with us money 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 sexiness ah. it's really off putting and weird <laughs> and then they do the Ernest fashion show <laughs> and I feel like they both really want to fuck him too which was really oh, yeah. like- Big time fuck energy coming out of this. Like they just want to get in a polycule with Ernest and just fucking just rail him in every orifice. It's it's very unsettling. Right and the then the, the fashion suit, it, it oh definitely the nostrils, little two pronged devil dick in both nose holes. <laughs> but so when they get to the fashion thing, it's like this this weird surreal like smoke filled runway and. Ernest is just wearing a, a leather jacket and strutting around, and he's just like, "Yeah, uh, Ernest fashion." Like this, it's it's presented as something that has been like a long time interest of his to not only be famous and rich, but also be a fashion icon. 
And then there's some weird ass like fake Sheena Easton shit playing in the background. It is very weird. And then interrupted by Kareem Abdul saying, I don't think the jacket matches your shoes. Mm-hmm. Ernest put on the shoes and blew you. <laughs> God. <laughs> I promise uh, the last time I'll play that clip for at least five minutes. <laughs> I feel like we're starting. Well, I, I can't remember if it started earlier than this, but um, yeah, I guess it did. Uh, there's troubling um, sub uh sub narrative thing uh going on here that uh will erupt in the last film that we'll talk about of uh mm-hmm. earnest uh, grooming children oh yeah big time big time this is this is the genesis of that Ernest grooms your child. <laughs> I actually I don't know if this is the genesis. He he had some real creeper yeah. behavior and scared stupid. That's yeah, a stranger, major stranger danger. Trying to think of camp if there's anything in camp or um uh Christmas, but uh, mm. I, I don't know. These are all wash to me. Camp is a little more innocent, but you know, it, you got to start somewhere. Uh the the other the only other thing worth worth mentioning here is well uh, two things one shout out to Miguel Nuñez uh great in return of the living dead uh wonderful as DJ and street fighter alongside Jean-Claude Van Damme uh also just does a wonderful job here um uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i believe now correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't he utter this line when did Ernest become a black muscle <laughs> which is <laughs> <laughs> because Devil Lotto Lady like introduces him as like Ali Ben Ernest or something when he gets on the court. I don't know if this is like a Kareem Abdul Jabbar rib or something. I I don't know what's going on with that, but that's supposedly a joke. Um, but <laughs> as we've watched all of these films, one of the things that has troubled me is. What is the Ernest universe? Do all of these movies exist in kind of a a vacuum? Like they they're, they're their own things. Like the Ernest characters consistent. Uh, Chuck and Bobby to a degree are consistent, but I have a th- largely they they're just different worlds. But in Slam Dunk Ernest, if you look in the gym, okay, there's all kinds of like sponsor banners. And we see the the Kikakee Fish Company, and that's Kikakee is is the camp, and Ernest goes to camp. We Ooh. see Tulip Brothers Hardware, and that's the 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 store that Tom and Bobby and Ernest Scared Stupid worked in. Uh, there's Trantor Dairy, and Trantor is the name of the Booger Lips troll in Ernest Scared Stupid. And then there's Apple Maggot Removal, and if you remember <laughs> when Ernest is riding the cannon, and Ernest rides again. Uh, they they run into a barrier and there's a sign that says Apple Maggot Zone Stay Out and Ernest utters the classic line, foiled by Apple Maggots again. So I there has I to be some sort of consistency. <laughs> this is yeah. I mean, Mister, I watched this shit five times because well, I'm a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a theory that like Ernest is just this guy who keeps losing jobs and has to keep moving. So every time we mm-hmm. see a new movie, he's in a different location. But like it's sort of in that same like north northern south states area like Tennessee, Ohio, maybe Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So like it's like the same region that it just keeps circling around. Yeah, I okay. So I have a theory uh, about the Ernest verse. Okay, so 
in Slam Dunk Ernest, there's a line when they when they go into the, the restaurant or whatever, or maybe it's like right before they go into the restaurant, and Ernest says, I've never been in a restaurant without a drive through window. But since we've watched all these fucking movies over the course of the last three weeks, we know that in Ernest Goes <laughs> to Jail, he goes out with the lady that he works with to that fancy restaurant, and, you know, <laughs> the magnetism happens, and the, the forks start moving, and, you know, hijinks ensue. So... I believe that there are three parallel Ernest universes, okay? Ernest universe number one is Scared Stupid, Camp, Rides Again, Slam Dunk, and Army, okay? Now, the reason why we're removing some of the other ones from here, obviously, Jail can't be there because um, it, it, he, he says the restaurant line in Slam Dunk. Additionally... In Ernest joins the army or whatever, uh, there's a line in there, we'll talk about that movie later, where he says, I used to be a camp counselor, so we can assume <laughs> that camp and army are also in the same universe. Ernest verse number two is jail, school, and Africa. Okay. Now, we know this because it allow- the, the restaurant eating has already happened, so obviously it can't be with, with slam dunk. And also, there's a point in Africa where Ernest eats poison ivy. Now, when Ernest goes to camp, he was exposed to poison ivy by the children. So one would assume that he would know better at this point. So I decided to separate those. And the third is uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. And that's in its own realm because it's the only one that takes place in a specific, like, tropical climate. Okay? Every, everything else feels very, like... Mid South, Midwestern. It's also the only one where he doesn't have some sort of custodial job. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. He's a cab driver. So that exists in its own world. Okay. Um, so uh, this, this is what I'm thinking. That's, that's kind of my breakdown. I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to the Ernest Universe discourse, but I'd say it's pretty rock solid, right? I think, yeah. Basically, if Linda Cash is not in the movie, it's part of a different universe. Mm hmm. There you go. That's 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 the through line. We got it. So all you earnest heads out there, we figured this shit out for you. You're welcome. You put that on the wiki. All right. You guys ready to move on to uh, the second movie in our in our final earnest episode? Now, speaking of Linda Cash, I have oh, questions boy. on this one. You got questions? Well, guess what? I got I got the trailer for Ernest Goes to Africa. Sorry. No, I don't. You can't find this one on the internet. Uh, there's a there's a fan trailer, but it's it sucks ass. It's, it's right. fucking Burned terrible. All the copies of the trailer. I, I this one is this one. They are probably trying to burn all the copies. So it's very difficult to find even streaming on the internet. All these other two movies are both streaming on Tubi, which is the kind of free with ads uh, streaming platform, but. Ernest Goes to Africa is available in standard definition only paid on Amazon unless you stream it through the IMDb streaming platform, which is the only place to really stream it, or it's been uploaded to YouTube about four times and no one seems to give a shit. So, yeah, uh, this is... It came in a white DVD case. (laughs) Yeah, you're just supposed to burn this one. It's not supposed to exist. Um, This one is also the end of the the Vancouver cycle 
as I as I like to call it here, which is <laughs> yeah. school rides again and slam dunk were all shot oh, in Vancouver. Sorry to go back to this. so slam oh, dunk ahead, like obviously was shot in Vancouver, but it's supposed to take place in Charlotte, right? Must. I would assume, yeah. So still in that mid south. Yeah, okay, just want to clarify. Sorry, continue. Yep, mid south. So this is the beginning of the South Africa cycle, which is the final two <laughs> Ernest films. The duology, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is, it's very interesting because I was shocked to learn that this was actually shot on location outside of Johannesburg in South Africa. And if you were to ask me where this movie is shot and I didn't know any better, I'd say, I don't know, it looks like a country club in Iowa. What? <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, terrible <laughs> yeah it, there needs to be some sort of uh explanation uh or just breakdown of the choices and the trip and the finances all that type of stuff but what we're seeing here is john cherry nearing the end of his career maybe he saw that things were going to end with varney and uh <clears throat> wanted to get out all of the sort of political frisson happening inside his brain uh, with two very powerful films that are politically charged. These are definitely the two most politically charged Ernest films. Uh, and before we get into the plot, though, I just want to point out, again, these later Ernest films kind of veer more into the general family film as opposed to specifically for children film. But... Ernest Goes to Africa is without a doubt the most adult Ernest movie. Like, no contest, okay? Yeah. Um, there's, just, just to name a few things, there's like a dead cow, like just a carcass of a dead cow that is prominently featured in an extended scene just laying there, just a carcass, which is kind of a, a lot. Uh, there is a scene where... Uh, the, one of the main villains who looks like obese Udo Kier. He has two guys buried up to their necks in in the ground, and then he has a rhinoceros just gore their heads off, which <laughs> obviously the goring is not shown on screen, but it is implied. And uh, there's, there's a lot of gunfire in this. We've had gunfire in Ernest movies before. However, a lot of people fucking die here. Including a guy where he's in the back of a truck, like an ostrich egg truck that Ernest is in, and he's fucking dead. Like, he, Ernest takes his boots, the guy's not moving, he's just, like, out for ten minutes. Uh, so I'm pretty sure not only do regular people die in this movie, but Ernest specifically is killing people in this film for the first time. Well, I mean, so this, this came ten years after the uh, first feature, uh, Camp. 1987, uh, this being 1997. So uh, maybe Cherry and, and uh, Varney thought that their fans were ready for some more... Racism. Uh, <laughs> adult content. Oh, there's there's racism. If this is a Ernest... If this is, in, this is in the same universe as Ernest Goes to Camp, right? Yes. So Ernest uh, has wait, to Wait, let me double check. <laughs> no, let it me is, double check my... Uh... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Sorry. I'm going ahead to Ernest. Go, Ernest goes to the army. Sorry. Yeah, Ernest goes to the army is is in the same universe as Camp. Okay. Um, okay. And then Africa is. I, I'm checking my Ernest verse document that I made. Uh, no, Africa is Africa's in the Ernest verse two with school and jail. Sorry. No worries. 
Oh no, no, well, no, no. Yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah no, maybe he got Africa's hardened school in jail. jail. Yeah, he yeah. got hardened that, jail. That's he hardened in jail. There you go. That's where he he learned how to be a cold blooded killer. <laughs> that's the only thing that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh yeah, it's it's just weird. And there's a scene too where uh, the 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 female lead is tied up and things get a little rapey. Uh, it's a little uncomfortable. So a lot of adult shit, but. I guess nothing is shown explicitly. There's just a lot of implied adult situations and then, well, the dead animal carcass. But one thing that I noticed, unless I'm hearing this wrong, Ernest Goes to Africa is the first and only time that we hear Ernest use naughty language. Because at the end (laughs) of the film, where he's fighting like that fat Sicilian Steven Seagal bad guy with with the mustache, he says this. Nice shot. Dip So, I'm sorry, what? He calls him a dick wad? Dip wad, I think. Ernest put on those shoes and blew you. Dip I think that's a dip wad. A dip wad, not a dick wad? I wanted it to be dick wad so bad. I don't know. I think, again, they're veering close to the edge. With this adult content, even even if it is dipwad, it's like, ex- excuse me. And then, of course, there's old Sahim. Oh, no, Sahim. Oh, no, indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, Sahim, he first made an appearance in Ernest Rides Again as kind of like this Indiana Jones sidekick racist blackface character. But he is very prominent in Ernest Goes yeah. to Africa. In fact, he takes up Jesus a good Christ. chunk of the second act. There's a lot of Sahim going on. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's a little, little uncomfortable, Ernest in blackface. And I want you guys to know that uh, there's an Ernest B. Worrell Preservation Society, and John Cherry III gave all of his like drafts of the old scripts and then all of the unproduced Ernest scripts to them. And in the original Ernest Goes to Africa script, there was no Sahim. So all of this was second draft. They were like, yeah, it's pretty good, but it definitely needs Jim Varney blackface. That's what wow. we're missing. So that's that's something. <laughs> that's some fan service right there. It really, uh, really is. <laughs> I, I wonder if in the first draft they had uh, uh, the scene where Ernest meets the tribe and starts speaking in AAVE to them, mm. uh, which was also uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. But I did like... Wham, bam, uh, lama, lama, ding, dong. You know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> um, I do like uh, when they have, they have him and... Uh, what's her name? Linda King. In uh, Nets. Yeah, in, in Nets. At the end. <laughs> and he's talking about how, uh, oh, at least you don't have to walk. And they're like singing a tribal song, and he's asking if they know any other lyrics. That was fun. That that seems good too because it's a real ADR nightmare. Like they're just they're walking by, and the camera's fixated on the nets, and they're just in there, and their lips aren't moving, and then we just hear the dialogue playing in the background. It's it's really good stuff. This is uh, it's just a real well put together movie, and the plot is 
Jesus. Almost incomprehensible. <laughs> Myros, you want to break this one down? What the fuck is happening in this movie? Uh, so there are some jewels that this tribe has. Uh, their eyes in some sort of a tribal god, I believe, and they are stolen by uh, some white uh, individuals who, you know, it's, it's typical for this sort of movie, I suppose, but there's a bad men who steal the jewels and flee the country. Uh, and the jewels are stolen from the bad men by other bad men and they somehow end up in a uh, $1 bin at some flea market and Ernest purchases them and fashions them into a yo-yo to gift to his uh, love interest. And uh, <laughs> yeah, somehow this is discovered by the bad men and they, they kidnap Ernest and love interest. Bring them to Africa for reasons and uh that's what i don't why are they going to africa i don't why i don't know that where where does this movie take place outside of africa i mean it's all filmed in africa is ohio. living it's in ohio africa? no 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 it takes place in ohio that's okay. that's their it's home ohio. cleveland outside of cleveland yeah but so, I, I don't understand why the bad guys take them there like I they just no throw idea. them in potato sacks and throw them there I, yeah i mean what? if he had access to these jewels presumably he would not have had them in another continent uh, so yeah, it's, it's a strange choice, I'll grant. But uh, yeah, this is uh, bad, real bad. But they just they get to Africa, and he has the yo-yo the whole time, and really nothing else happens other than they're kidnapped, they escape, they're kidnapped, they escape, and they end up they drive around on a golf cart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it sucks. Oh boy, it it really sucks ass. It's horrible ass. Yeah, this, I, I guess the uh, the South African uh, period of Ernest could also be called the the White Savior period for Ernest P. Worrell. Uh, he's, he's doing a lot of a lot of work there. Uh, At least the second it's, movie it's is uh, not not this anything but this. Jesus Christ, goes to yeah, Africa. This is for me is rock bottom. It is. This is the absolute worst Ernest movie. It's it's one of the worst things I've watched in terms of movies that have some kind of a budget like this is not that we have a huge budget here this is fucking horrible i'd probably rather watch this again than uh basketball the slam dunk earnest for what whatever oh. that is worth that's a that's a hot take yeah. there sean <laughs> i hate both i'm, I'm with sean they're, they're both like there's two types of earnest movies uh one of which is it really is just slam dunk and scared stupid where they're like jokeless things for three-year-olds. Yeah. And uh, mm. then there's the stuff that actually has uh, comedy written into it. And this has comedy written into it. It's just horribly offensive and <laughs> dated. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, well, the production quality say, is just like fucking trash. <laughs> it's trash. It's trash. Now, this, this makes sense to me that you and Sean would choose... Ernest goes to Africa over Slam Dunk Ernest because I didn't say that. I a, just I choose neither. A, <laughs> okay, choose neither. It's a binary choice. Do you go with blackface or black people? And Sean chose blackface. <laughs> in this instance. Uh, I do oh, like. No, um, <laughs> he's like before he takes off. Like in the beginning, it shows him like in his apartment or house or whatever, and it's like it looks like a like a refused set from Beekman's world or like playhouse. <laughs> it's, 
it's just like clearly a TV set, uh, only showing three walls and everything's like so colorful and he's like doing the yo-yo at the camera and it's just like one of the ugliest things I've seen in a film. I guess we'll find out for the bonus episode, but I wonder if this is a set used in the Hey Vern Existo. Oh, oh. Yeah, maybe. The uh, the Hey Vern it's Ernest, uh yeah, I, I don't I don't know about that. I know for the commercials they they use John Cherry's house. Like the commercials are all shot there. I'm so. more curious if they were used in Existo. Uh, oh, yeah. As part of the dystopian musical <laughs> by Coke Sam's. <laughs> uh, I did notice for the first time, and I don't know if this was true for the previous three movies, but we get some John Cherry cameos in Slam Dunk and Ernest Goes to Africa. Mm-hmm. That's true. He's the guy. Four years and, uh, full. Yeah, and Slam Dunk, Academy. he's the guy who keeps getting his hot dog stolen by the uh, the the demon salesman. <laughs> and he, he looks like shit in Slam Dunk. He looks like Slavo Zizek. Like he's just <laughs> a slovenly unshaven man. <laughs> yeah, and then he's Before like. Before he joined the army, then he cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, he cleaned up there. <laughs> and he's the rude customer to Linda Cash's uh, server in Ernest Goes to Africa. Mm hmm. That's correct. So the the mystery here is why is Linda Cash in this fucking movie? Because this is like after she becomes like a real working actress. Yeah, and, that uh, was really puzzling to me. I thought she's yeah. in any of these. I mean, I suppose, you know, you need work, but I think Linda Cash is actually a really great. Yeah, yeah. I guess like the earlier stuff was when she was really still breaking in, but this is like after waiting for Guffman and she's yeah. like a real real actress at this point. And how the fuck did they get her to do this mess? Yeah, I, I got no clue. You think that you take one look at this script and you just go, absolutely not. I, <laughs> like this, this doesn't even read well. There's no way you can look at this and think that there's something here. Or I mean, maybe she owed John Cherry a favor, or, uh, you know, she she was deeply interested in this film because Ernest murders a goldfish with his fucking sink. What? what? <laughs> it turns out the garbage disposal. Oh, you, did anyone else pick fish? up on the parallels between this and the telephone with that scene? I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to Whoopi Goldberg. It's like, not again. Also, <laughs> there was, when I was watching this, uh, I, I actually, not when I was watching this, when I was watching the other two movies on Tubi, I got served a commercial for uh, Stephen King's The Stand and Whoopi Goldberg's in it. So that's. <laughs> It is. Whoopi is linked to this. Do we have to do another sure. Whoopi Goldberg pop podcast then? Uh, apparently. <laughs> Just do a stand cast where we watch uh, 90 hours of mediocre Stephen King adaptations. That'll be great. Yeah, I did watch the stand for some other episode. We didn't end up talking about it, so I got a leg up. <laughs> oh, you got a leg up. You're doing well. You're doing well. Oh, boy. Uh, Ernest Goes to Africa. Don't fucking touch this movie with a 10-foot pole. It's difficult to obtain for a reason. It's it's free on YouTube, but that doesn't mean it's worth your time in any capacity. There's really nothing here. Absolutely nothing. Uh, unless <laughs> you're if you're if you're cool with blackface and the idea of Ernest dressing up as a belly dancer titillates you, then yeah, you get, maybe this is your shit. Get to see a look at his sick abs. Yeah, you do. You do. He's, he's starting to get he's continuing his his jacked lifestyle in this. Uh, and this has shades of I believe it's Deuce Bigelow, European gigolo, where the woman wears the veil over her face and because she has a penis for a nose and then she sneezes cum all over someone. 
very reminiscent. A lot of parallels there. Plastic scene. I'm going. I'm going to bat for European gigolo. I don't give a fuck. I will say that that guy crosses a line that it somehow makes me laugh because it's so fucking obscene, <laughs> ridiculous. It really is. Uh, Rob Schneider's a real piece of shit. He's like an anti-vaxxer weirdo, but. Goddamn, pal, if that's not one of the best comedy scenes of the uh, late 90s, I don't know what is. It's the good stuff. All right. Well, I guess it's about time we moved on to the final Ernest P. World movie. Ernest joins the army. He's been to camp. He's been to Africa. He's even saved Christmas. But what Ernest needed was a real challenge. You gonna make it? It'd be a whole lot better if you let me drive. This is an army vehicle, and it's the only driven by army people. You could enlist. The army. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not it. I. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, between these three <laughs> movies, this is it. <laughs> could be it this is the one Uh, although i i don't i don't even know uh well ernest joins the army or ernest in the army or ernest armies ernest goes to the army i I forget what it's called uh it's got a trailer so it's already got a leg up on the other two movies we're talking about here it's the final movie and jim varney was like literally dying of lung cancer while this was being shot. It was shot back to back with Ernest goes to Africa in South Africa. And, uh, you know, a good alternate title might be Ernest. He stabilizes the middle East. Ernest does imperialism. Um, it's, it's something. I guess the only other thing I can say is it kind of does this poetic full circle thing because Jim Varney and John Cherry first worked together on a commercial where Jim Varney played a uh, goofy, like, drill sergeant character. And he's back in the army here. And then we have a strange coda at the end where Ernest passes on the Ernest legacy. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that in detail. <laughs> oh, boy. Myros, what the fuck is Ernest joins the army? What is uh, this? It, it is exactly what it sounds like. Ernest, he joins the army. Uh... See, I I think there's a flaw in your shared universe theory because here we're introduced. It's Ernest in the army. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is. He is. He's in the army. Uh I don't. It joins the army is probably more apt. I think I it's Ernest in the army now. It, it that With might Molly be uh, impetus. <laughs> it's it's kind of a similar movie in some ways, but I I wish it was in more ways that we didn't have to deal with the actual uh, Middle East here. But uh, of course, this is the army reserves too. Right, yeah, he jo- he joins the army because uh, John Cherry's character, uh, Ernest's old dear friend, Ben Kovsky, who is, has never been mentioned or <laughs> appeared in any of the previous eight films, but is his oldest and, and best friend, uh, which again, that, that might be a flaw in your shared universe here. But uh, he convinces Ernest the, to join the army because it's a cushy gig and he can drive big rigs. Uh, so... Ernest joins the reserves, is immediately called up and uh, shipped out to the Middle East, and uh, he defeats uh, some terrorists and uh, saves a, an orphan <laughs> child. And and frees the brave Mujahideen fighters. Very true, yeah. 
Uh, I'm kind of forgetting any jokes that happened in this, and I watched this most recently. Uh, um, pancake joke. I like the toilet pancake. explosion joke. Oh yeah, and there's a bunch of like uh, silly putty, and and he spits up the candy on the sergeant's face and turns into uh, something out of a Cronenberg movie. Yeah, I think they must have had like some sort of a like a discount on slime or something that John Kerry, <laughs> Kerry took advantage of because there's that and then there's the jellyfish there's a whole bunch of like snot goop appearing in the middle of this film goop sl- slime uh, seemed to have a similar trajectory as the Charlotte Hornets really big in that 94 to 96 era so yeah it makes sense that they would kind of get the discount on it by 98 oh totally yeah, they're riding that GAC wave, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's about to break at the shore, so they're, they're getting that hot discount. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so a lot going on here. He joins the Army because he wants to drive a truck. Yes. And I got to tell you, Ernest, there's probably better ways to, to drive a truck than joining the Army Reserves. Uh, also, what kind of fucking conflict is this where... <laughs> they have to call in the U.S. Army Reserves as part of, like, a, a NATO coalition, and then the schlubby-ass reserves are tasked with protecting and, and escorting a very important, like, British general guy, and then they're sent to the front lines? What the fuck is this? But is it because, like, the commandant wants them to fail because he struck a deal with the terrorists? Yeah, there's a lot of geopolitical that- stuff going on here. It's, uh... It still feels like a giant quagmire. I mean, you could talk about how the endless war of Afghanistan or Iraq or, you know, the the boondoggle that was Vietnam, but it it doesn't really compare to Kurzakistan or wherever this fucking war takes place (laughs) in a fake country. (laughs) I love the the font work here. Uh, It's just beautiful stuff. Uh, And every time that they have the dictator... On screen, it's in a close-up that looks like he's in front of a sheet. Like, looks like they filmed this in a fellowship hall and not actually in uh, Cape Town. And he's wearing a longhorn belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because he's clearly a white guy with spray tan on. He looks like fucking Jimmy Schmitz in a bald cap. There's no way that they cast an actual, like... <laughs> Arab actor to play this this guy. It's it's fucking stupid. It's beyond fucking stupid. Uh, so if if Ernest joined the the reserves to drive trucks and they made it, they, they specified what he was joining as some sort of a a mechanical X Y and Z. How come he's the cook? <laughs> he's just a cook when they ship out. He's he's nothing yeah. to do with driving. He's a fucking cook. Yeah, they they he wants to drive trucks. Yeah, that was kind of sloppy to me because at first it seems like he just wanted to make breakfast for everybody, but then all of a sudden he is the designated cook. Well, it was such a success, I guess, that when he made concrete pancakes that they're like, all right, you're the cook now. <laughs> this is the guy. He he made tank patch pancakes and they weigh 50 pounds he knows each. How to, he knows how to test the griddle, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Coleman, are you lick. claiming that's that I this say. is sloppy? That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> That point stuck with me very much. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Now, come on. I thought he was Ernest just being nice. Ernest are known for their tight narratives. And now it's his job? It's bullshit. No. 
it's really an indictment of the military industrial complex. They just, you know, they, they promise you truck driving and you're just a weekend warrior. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of the desert on the front fucking lines and you're, you're a cook. That sucks. It's bullshit. Whoa, what is that sound? Is <laughs> I thought that was the soundboard. I I was, maybe you were putting yeah. something no, in the soundboard. No, it wasn't. I, I thought it was the soundboard, too. I'm like, what the fuck did I click? Is it like a it's, bombing it's raid? Jim Varney's ghost. Jim Varney's ghost is haunting me with a missile that his general was strapped to for half the movie. I will say, the, the other thing about this movie that works outside of the pancakes bit, which is, is amusing, is... Probably uh, Jeffrey Pillars as the general, he's uh, the American general here, uh, is quite amusing. Uh, quite a few decent lines in there. Uh, uh, grasping at straws, I suppose, because this movie also no, fucking man. terrible. <laughs> no, I, I didn't like him in any of the other Ernest movies he was in, but yeah, I agree with Myrus. He, he was very serviceable here. I actually kind of enjoyed him for the first time. Cherry? Hmm? Who? No, the uh, general. The general, the mustachio oh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, mustachio right. guy, walrus boy. Yeah, he's he's okay, I guess. Uh, and then, <laughs> I I guess this is uh, consistent with the last film, but there is a uh, another shitty child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the the little Ben Ali, and this is where. I, I guess things get a little odd because John Cherry added this coda to the end of, of Ernest joins the army or Ernest in the army where Ben Ali is shown like sitting on a rock at sunset and he's wearing the Ernest hat. And then there's some narration that informs us that 25 years later, he continues to be a freedom fighter in the name of Ernest P. Worrell. Which is also kind of fucked up because it's like he was inspired by Ernest and then because of U.S. military intervention, he's just engulfed in, in a decades-long endless war. <laughs> it's a weird downer ending. I don't know. Especially when you consider what I assume was the original ending, which is after Ernest rescues the hostages and, and stops the missile from being launched and saves the day, he actually gets a kiss from the female lead, the reporter woman. Um, now, of course, his lips are chapped and his skin peels off and sticks oh, to her God. lips. And, Ew. <laughs> uh, and so she's disgusted immediately. He's like, oh, wait. Uh, uh. But I believe this is the first time that a woman actually gives Ernest physical affection, right? Like he actually gets a kiss in this movie. Does that happen in any other Ernest movie? I don't think so. Mm. It also breaks with his type. You know, Ernest is very into the bookish librarian sort, except in this it, one. It, it gets very close in uh, Slam Dunk Ernest when they're in the limo. Uh, yeah, yeah. true. Although that's I would argue that that's not, that's not sincere, right? Like no. she's she's grinding on him, but she's just doing it because she wants that money. Yeah, because these last three all have, Satan have says more so. of a romantic element. I, I it seemed like uh, Africa Linda Cash's character is seemingly falling for him for part of the film, and then it, it just kind of doesn't go anywhere. She leaves him for an average yeah. smoke. That's yep. That's about it. 
Uh, Is there anything else to say about Ernest and the Army, really? I I feel like we're not going into great detail here, but there's not a lot going on. Director John Cherry has a heart attack on screen. Kayfabe, but... (laughs) Kayfabe heart attack. It's kind of amusing, And then he just shows up at the end of the movie. It's like, hey, I was all right this whole time. Yeah, a little triple bypass in the desert. That'll save him. (laughs) Yeah, this is the most gross out of the films, right? But And that that gag's okay, too. I guess when Ernest is, like, jabbing him with a fucking IV needle over and over again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm laughing a little bit. I'm chuckling. After those last two movies, uh, just about anything's getting a, a chuckle out of me, you know? Yeah, I chuckled about the uh, the escort line. They're like, "We're we're gonna need an escort," and uh, Jim Varney thinks that they mean a Ford Escort, <laughs> and he suggests that they should at least get a Humvee for this type of operation. <laughs> oh, it, oh, that's oh, what yeah. we we ought to mention is that this this also introduces uh, our uh, home state of Michigan here into the canon, where Ernest is, states that he was once a, a postman in Michigan. Mm. There you go. As the, he's, uh, really, he's been to every Midwestern state. I know. <laughs> he he also mentions wrestling again. This is the second time that pro wrestling pops up oh, in Ernest's yeah. script. The other one being school. And well, wait, in Ernest a, Scared Stupid too. Yep. He met. Yeah. Mentions he mentions Hogan. it there as well. Sorry. <laughs> he mentions Hogan. No, you're right. So third time, my mistake. Three times wrestling pops up, and it's interesting because I think. Maybe it was Coke Sam's or maybe it was John Cherry. I'm not sure. But one of them had to be a pretty big pro wrestling fan because there is floating around an unproduced Ernest script uh, called Ernest Goes to Wrestling School or Ernest Starts Wrestling or something oh. like that. And wrestling is Ernest actually spelled. Ernest enters the cage. Yeah, Ernest enters the cage. And it's not wrestling. It's literally R-A-S-S-L-I-N. So, you know, real uh, uh, 1980s Southern wrestling. Uh, but but they wanted to make an Ernest movie in conjunction with uh, the WWF. And they actually sent uh, script drafts to Vince McMahon and, and the WWF to try and work on something. And nothing ever came of it. Well, one, because Jim Varney died shortly after uh, Ernest joins the Army, goes to the Army, was shot. Uh, but also, I guess the WWF at that point in time was kind of moving away from family-friendly content. So this would have been around like 1998. Uh, and they were into the, I don't know, the era where uh, May Young gives birth to a hand. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, Triple H desecrates a dead woman's coffin. A lot of not so, f- Jerry the King Lawler calling boobs puppies. There's a lot of stuff going on that's maybe not earnest friendly Blackface, too, so I don't know. I guess they're on the same page with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to say. Ah, Well, the last thing I want to ask you guys before we wrap this up here is, out of all the Ernest movies we watched, what is your favorite? What's what's the cream of the crop here? Sean, I guess I'll let you go first. Uh, It's got to be jail. There's no question about it. Most interesting, Bernie is at the peak of his talent, at least. insofar as he's able to show it off and it's yeah it's interestingly shot as we've talked about in the past so yeah now i'm gonna second that jail all the way uh it's it's visually interesting it's genuinely funny um the uh the the bungling sidekick characters are fantastic uh yeah it's just leaps and bounds ahead of everything else Ernest has been involved in 
Myros, how about you? What's your favorite? Uh, I'm staying with Christmas. I think Christmas is, is the standout. God. Uh, Boy, you're keeping the Christ in Christmas, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I, I like the I like Christmas. It's very entertaining, and it, I guess the fact that it's in its own canon uh, makes sense because the rest of the canon's more more annoying. Are you gonna make it a yearly tradition? It wouldn't be the worst. I mean, it'd be a fine movie to pop on at Christmas. I'd rather watch that than the fucking Christmas story or whatever. Oh yeah, I'd rather watch the Ernest Saves Christmas than I don't know fucking Elf or Santa Claus Three or any of that bullshit. Santa Claus 3 is the one with Martin, Martin Short, right? Yeah, with the, yeah. Oh, yeah, he plays Jack Frost. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking terrible. <laughs> Absolute fucking trash. Coleman, how about you? What's your, what's your top tier Ernest movie? Ooh, this is really difficult. Um, I'm going to go camp. Don't say slam dunk. <laughs> I, I almost camp? said okay. slam dunk because uh, slam dunk I, uh, <laughs> has had repeat viewings for me. I don't know why. But uh, I'm going to go camp. Uh, because I hadn't seen it in a very long time before we started this, and I'd seen all the other Ernest movies fairly recently, and uh, it surprised me at how much it seemed to not suck. Uh, the, mm. Yeah, I think that that's like a good uh, introductory. Obviously, it is the first movie, but also um, I really enjoy the uh, scene where Lyle Zato kicks the shit out of him. Uh, just because mm. of how out of place it seems, even in the entire Ernest canon. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with Camp. Speaking of canons, Good I choice. think that my favorite thing in any of the movies is probably the open to Ryan's again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that song is just unbelievable. That's that's a real classic. Uh, I believe we used it as the outro music in part two of the Ernest P. Worrell series so you could you could check it out there but it's uh it's good shit man no i use it as the intro oh the intro okay yeah so even if you don't want to listen to our idiot asses yap for an hour and a half then you can just start the episode and you'll hear it immediately and then you can shut it off yeah exactly that's probably the best way to to take on uh optimism vaccine content also the best way to watch uh Ernest rides again right <laughs> yeah yeah i'd say yeah. so Intro and then just flip that fucker off. That's all you need. All right, boys. Well, uh, we're going to put stuff over this week because I totally forgot about it last week. So, Sean, what are you putting over? Oh, you know what? Um, yesterday, I finally watched uh, a movie that I had been holding out on, a Taiwanese movie called The Puppet Master from 1993 uh, that uh, I had I'd been holding out on because it only exists in this really, really shitty DVD it's in the wrong aspect ratio, and uh, so I was kind of just waiting to see if I would ever be able to, to see it. Like the only print that circulates in the United States, and I was like, you know what? Sick of waiting. I'll watch this, and, and you know, I'll 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 suffer through the uh, bad quality of this uh, horrible DVD rip. And I did, and I'm glad I did. Uh, because it was fantastic uh movie about um uh about what it was like in Taiwan under Japanese rule and just day-to-day stuff um the puppet master and this this sounds drastically different from the Charles Band directed puppet master <clears throat> yeah see uh, this this deals with a um a uh man who was a puppeteer for his uh, profession. Hey, that's in the Puppet Master directed by Charles Mann, too. Now, is there a cowboy puppet with two little guns? 
or another <laughs> puppet with a trench coat and little drill hands. I don't recall that being in it. Okay. Well, you know, you might, you might have missed it. Blink and you miss it type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe when I see it in pristine uh, mm-hmm. quality, I'll be able to tell. Yeah, once you get that on 4K, it'll really shine. Uh, Coleman, what are you putting over this week? Uh, well, I'm going to go lowbrow here again, um, but partially because I wanted to share this during the podcast and I just forgot about it. But now that I'm remembering, uh, it's just a three-minute clip uh, from the late 90s of Jim Varney on the show Viva Variety. Are you guys familiar with Viva Variety? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Old Comedy Central Jam. Yeah, with I'm like former that. members of the state who went on to do Reunion 1. You got Michael Ian Black, Kerry Kenny, Thomas Lennon, and it's just this satire of like these weird Eastern European variety shows. And they have a sketch called The Importance of Being Earnest, where Jim Varney played their. <laughs> obviously they're doing a play on the word on the name Ernest and the, the play but like Jim Varney actually like has some range and like shows that he's he could he could be like a very talented theater actor when he wanted to be but he's also like mm-hmm. definitely like willing to like be the butt of the joke so he's making fun of the Ernest character and kind of making fun mm-hmm. of what has become his bread and butter and just like this weird three minute clip and it's just weird to see him with like you know, people who I consider, like, not like comedy heroes of mine, but, like, seem in the same scene with, like, Michael Ian Black and Thomas Lennon. It's just really bizarre. Um, but it's, uh, if you just look it up on YouTube, just Jim Varney and the importance of being earnest, uh, parentheses, sort of. Yeah, Varney is, I mean, he dropped out of high school to pursue acting full-time. Uh, he's done stand-up. He, he obviously, he did some stage stuff before... His commercials took off, so he's he's a classically trained actor. He's good at what he I does. I mean, he 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 fulfills his dreams. Not everybody uh, who drops out of uh, school to become an actor gets an entire franchise and is beloved by hundreds, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of people, uh, hundreds upon hundreds. Yeah, I I would second that. It's just I kind of wish it was a proper movie here. Um, I mean, there's there's entertaining stuff for sure, but I I wish it was like at some point where where like uh you know R- Paul Rubens was fortunate enough to get hooked up with Tim Burton before he was anyone, and if if Varney had had such an opportunity, it'd be it'd be quite interesting. We haven't watched Existo yet. Um, that's true. We got Existo. That's true. I I just kind of wish that it wasn't. I mean, it, it's great that they had this whole sort of troop. That all kind of made a, made their mark with this character, but I also just wish that Varney kind of had an opportunity to be in a uh, right. better version of these movies, like a, a really competent comedy. Because he's fantastic, and this character, sure, it's lowbrow, but it also works. It works. <laughs> he's a fantastic physical comedian, mm-hmm. and uh, I he deserved a little better, I think. Even though, again, not to not to shit on what he did do, he certainly uh, made a mark in this country and uh, maybe even around the world to a degree obviously south africa yeah. loves him. <laughs> does that mean you're, you're you're putting over uh ernest saves christmas yeah yeah i haven't watched <laughs> anything else might as well be ernest saves christmas uh fantastic holiday film for the whole family <laughs> that's great i'm glad you're putting over ernest saves <laughs> fucking christmas all right well uh this week i'm putting over the new uh tony hawk pro skater one and two remake thing because I bought it on a whim because I was bored and still plays great 20 years later. I still suck ass at it. Still loads of fun. 
And uh, yeah, it's just good. I, I played it so much yesterday that I actually was getting cramps in my fingers. I think that means I'm old. But uh, yeah, it's it's amazing how a game like that hasn't aged a single day. It's wild. Check it out. It's good shit. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. If you are listening to this podcast right now, do me a favor. Click on the description. Inside that description, you will see two links. The first link will take you to our iTunes page. What you need to do is, if you have not yet done this, because you can only do it once, I think. It only counts at once. If you've not yet done this, leave us a five-star written review. It's important. It's the only thing we ask of you. Truly. Truly. Leave that five-star written review. And the reason why we need that on iTunes is because the iTunes algorithm relies on that for visibility. And the more visible we are, the more people can find us and listen to us, and the more we can do for you. Now, if you are feeling especially generous in these difficult times, there is also a link in the description of this podcast for our Patreon page. And you can become a patron of Optimism Vaccine, and that will grant you access to our giant backlog of written and podcast content, as well as new podcast content exclusive to the Patreon feed, including a little Ernest special, some uh, some Dr. Otto and maybe some Existo and some other Jim Varney projects that we did not cover. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That's coming soon. In addition to that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine or email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myros has the inbox open. He's hitting refresh. That's all he does. All day, every day. And uh, yeah, Jake's not here, so are we going to have to give the last word to Ernest again? I suppose so. Know what I mean? 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 Know what I mean